So we're going to start off our coverage of Crypto CoinCon um, with the start. It, this is uh, Charlie Mav, who's the co-founder of Ready, Set, Crypto. Um, he opened the, sh- the conference with uh, kind of a beginner explanation for people uh, on blockchain technology. So this is uh, appropriate to start here. Um, I did bring my uh, significant other, my wife, with me um, on this trip, and she even remarked that Mav, uh, she learned something listening to him. So if uh, you've got friends who aren't really don't really understand this crypto thing, then maybe this is a good place to start. Um, his website. Ready Set Crypto and his YouTube channel is excellent. They do a lot of good stuff on there. And and so here's his talk. We're going to cut right to it. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks. Hi, everyone. How's it going? Uh, thanks for coming out on your Saturday morning to talk about crypto. Uh, this is what I love doing. This is what I do full time. Uh, so. Yeah, hopefully we can kind of uh, learn a little bit together, kind of take today to use this as an opportunity to learn more about crypto and just network and find more about this space. I kind of, I love talking about crypto, so I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Um, so, uh, yeah, who I am, uh, I run a YouTube channel, we've got about 94,000 subscribers right now. So what I focus on with my YouTube channel is trying to provide high quality education on cryptocurrency, trying to be as honest as possible. One of the things I sort of made very clear when I started the channel was that I'm not going to accept money or uh, donations or you know, payments or anything like that to provide my services or uh, you know, make my videos. I wanted them to be kind of as uh, neutral and as unbiased as possible. And so I kind of, I want, I want that to uh, kind of like percolate down to, you know, education, the things I talk about, uh, because I, I think this space needs that. I think, I think we as a space need to mature and move beyond sort of this sort of, I don't know, shady sort of market and more into a more mature market, more uh, mature space, more uh, just a lot of things coming out of the space are really exciting right now. So I'm really excited to be a part of it. So moving on, what this presentation is not about is how you missed out on Bitcoin in 2009. Uh, it's not about technical jargon and mumbo jumbo. It's not about a sales pitch of why you need to invest everything in crypto or anything like that. And it's not about financial tax or life advice. Um, the tax stuff comes later today. But um, yeah, what I want to do is show you what crypto is really about. I want to share sort of my vision and why I got involved with this space, why I'm working to, to push it forward. And hopefully, whether you're new or a veteran to the space, uh, you'll learn something you don't know. So what are cryptocurrencies? I, I think that's the question that sort of gets glossed over or there's a hundred different explanations every day. Uh, I think the best way to talk about them is to go back to the beginning. And for that, um, let's paint the picture of 2007. That doesn't bring back a lot of really good memories for a lot of people, but I think what 
is really important to, to point out is between September and November of 2008, sorry, 2008, I said 2007 earlier. The first thing was that on September 14th, Bank of America agreed to buy Merrill Lynch and all stock deal worth about 50 billion. The second thing was that on September 15th, Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy. Uh, the third thing was that on October 3rd, the Triple Asset Relief Program, or TARP, was signed into law by President Bush. And then finally, on October 31st, a guy or girl or a group of people, we don't really know, uh, named Satoshi Nakamoto published a white paper detailing a payment system that would be independent of any government, institution, or bank. He needed Bitcoin, the world's first cryptocurrency. And I'll let Satoshi sort of uh, explain what it is. We propose a system for electronic transactions without relying on trust. And trust is really the operative word there. Trust sort of is everything when it comes to financial transactions, monetary policy, anything related to that. Because when you make those sorts of transactions, when you put your money with a bank or anything like that, you are trusting them to be the arbiter of those assets. You're trusting them to secure those, uh, those transactions or anything like that. So what made Bitcoin so revolutionary is that there is now a system that can uh, you know, do these electronic transactions without relying on the trust of the middleman, without a middleman taking fees, allowing us to transact with one another without having to go through a series of banks or remittance or you know, overseas transactions or any of this stuff. It allows us to transact in ways we've never been able to before. So I think what's interesting is the early days of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Satoshi's Bitcoin was a direct response to the 2008 financial crisis, which as we know was sort of a response to a bloated uh, system that just got out of control in um, Wall Street as it died a very painful death. Bitcoin's birth cost the world nothing. Um, so perhaps if the global financial system had been healthier, there would have been less of a community for Bitcoin. Uh, but I, I think Satoshi, whoever they are, uh, sort of knew that they were promoting something that was very much the antithesis of what was going on uh, on Wall Street on those days. So I think it's a really interesting sort of parallel or rather um, <laughs> counterculture to what was going on in 2008. And I think that sets the stage for what Bitcoin and rather cryptocurrency is in these days. So moving on, we've seen Bitcoin serve as sort of the springboard for a lot of these other cryptocurrencies, sort of this movement that's come out of this. And people using the blockchain technology as a means to solve all sorts of other problems. And it's really interesting to see just how people are taking this, this technology and utilizing it in really interesting new ways. Countless derivations of Bitcoin have been created, all which rely on blockchain technology, Satoshi's gift to the world. Uh, it's both a very confusing space as well as a very exciting space right now because we're still trying to figure this out right now, but that's why it's exciting. You know, people try to solve tomorrow's problems with today's solutions, and they really put the cart before the horse. But I think right now we're in the middle of something very exciting, something very special going on with cryptocurrency. So it's really exciting to be part of. 
So breaking down crypto and really what it means, what it is, is that cryptocurrency is really just a new kind of money. It's the first decentralized electronic currency not controlled by a single organization or government. All over the world, people are trading and investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in cryptocurrency every day with no middleman, no bank, no credit card companies in between the fees that are set. It's startup currency made for the people, by the people. I think one of the best examples of that is that someone sent, uh, I think it was $93 million worth of Litecoin and paid, I don't know, something like 10 cents to secure that transaction, and it happened in about 2.5 seconds which is just not possible if you try to do that today with any sort of fiat currency. Uh, so I think that's really uh, exemplary of what it is we're trying to promote here. We're trying to promote uh, a system of electronic transactions, an economy that is completely outside of the normal parameters, the normal paradigms that we're used to. So what is blockchain? It's sort of this buzzword that's thrown around a lot, and you, know, you hear it all the time, but um, not a lot of people do a really good job of explaining it. I probably won't, but we'll see. I, th I think the best way to, to look at blockchain or understand it is, um, and maybe this isn't the best metaphor, but like the, the spider web here, uh, you can see that there's a lot of missing pieces to it, but the, the frame of it is still intact, and that's sort of what blockchain represents. It's decentralized, but the whole system is still intact. You can take nodes down, but the whole system still remains intact. Whereas with centralized systems, the ones that we're sort of competing with, uh, that's not the case. If uh, you know, we saw Visa and MasterCard go down in certain regions around the world very recently, uh, and that just can't happen in a world where we need uh, our economy, our monetary engines to be working at full capacity. We can't have that happening. So this is sort of what we're proposing. It's not just about being sort of antagonistic to the big banks. It's about promoting a better system. So blockchain is sort of the engine behind that. It makes it work. So blockchain is really just a, a bunch of computers that are making up a network. It's really just a decentralized database. It's really nothing more complicated than that. Um, it has certain inherent properties. It's a little bit tough to, um, it, we're still trying to figure out the scalability aspect to make it as fast as the centralized systems that, again, we're competing with. But at this time, it's really exciting to see what we can do with this sort of technology and make it into different applications and use cases. So all that being said, don't get hung up on the details, especially if you're just approaching this as an investor. Because when it comes down to it, you don't need to understand how the internet works, HTTP or any of that, in order to invest in Google or Facebook or Amazon. You know, it's more important that you just understand the broad concepts of what we're talking about here, uh, rather than the minutia. So, summed up in a single sentence, cryptocurrencies are more secure, and efficient than traditional government-issued currencies. I think that's as easy as it gets, uh, and that's really sort of what we're talking about here today. So again, as I talked about earlier, it's sort of a paradigm shift, and what we see over and over again is that technological progress is paradigm shifts of existing norms and trying to challenge sort of the status quo that we have out there. So 
again, we are challenging the paradigm that you know, bank transactions take three days. You know, if you're going to send money overseas, it's really complicated and expensive. But we think there's a better way. We think that that should be fast, instant, cheaper, uh, and secure. Uh, one of the most inherent properties of blockchain is that every transaction is logged on the blockchain. It's a pen only, meaning that you can only add to the blockchain, you can't subtract from it. Uh, so that creates a system that's very much uh, it goes back to the you know <laughs> end of time, really. You can't fake a, a blockchain transaction, and that's one of the most important things about it. So I, I think that helps to establish that inherent trust that I was talking about earlier, is that we need the system to be built in such a way that we can trust that it's going to work without having to watch it or pay people to, to make it run. Uh, we need people to you know make sure that this system can en enable this paradigm shift that we're, we're so wanting right now. So my vision that when I first got involved with cryptocurrencies, when I first saw this, what is this Bitcoin thing, and uh, what is this blockchain thing, is that I saw a world where we are able to let machines do the work for us, and let them interact with each other using something like blockchain as sort of the lifeblood of the system. So I envisioned sort of an automated factory that produced, I don't know, some sort of product. And when, whenever some consumer bought something overseas, that would uh, immediately be sent over to them uh, as sort of, hey, that product has been taken off the shelves, please create another one. Uh, after that, it creates another product, it puts it on an automated truck, which is paid by some sort of cryptocurrency in between them. Truck ships it to an automated uh, warehouse. Warehouse then is shipped to some sort of automated shipyard, and then it's shipped overseas. And all of this is done without any sort of humans being involved whatsoever. And all of this is done and secured using machine learning and blockchain is sort of the lifeblood of the system. So these are all sort of the paradigms that we're not really used to or comfortable with right now, but I think that is what is coming. That is sort of the machine-to-machine -machine economy that we sort of are on the precipice of, but we don't even realize. So I think it's a very exciting time to sort of think of the future and think of what can we use new technology to solve old problems with. So yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time. I, I think it's really, we're, <laughs> It is very much the, the future that I hope we're able to see very soon here. So a big part of that is seeing how um, people can take the mantle that uh, Bitcoin established. So one big piece of that was Ethereum. Ethereum is just sort of the next iteration of blockchain, blockchain solutions. It's taking the ideals that was instilled into Bitcoin and blockchain by Satoshi and kind of expanding upon it to make it more of a platform allow anyone to build decentralized apps and smart contracts and all these other really interesting things. And so this is what I'm talking about in terms of these are just generations of you know progress and innovation and taking this sort of vision and running with it. So yeah, Ethereum is another really exciting one, but that just brought on a whole other wave of new and exciting possibilities. So <laughs> I hope I made it very clear right now. Cryptocurrency is not about Bitcoin anymore, which is not to say that Bitcoin is dead or any of those 
click reading titles or anything like that. No, it's we've moved on, we've taken the mantle, we've taken sort of the vision and we're running with it to a new place. So it's a really exciting time, it's really exciting to see what we can do with this technology. So really quickly, four reasons why cryptocurrency is an opportunity you should consider, especially as an investment, is that first off, there's a return on that investment and probably a significant one should this technology become widespread and adopted, uh, as we saw in 2017, there's definitely a profit motive or rather return on investment for anyone who's willing to put in the risk for that sort of speculative asset that is cryptocurrency to take the risk on you know, making sure that you're going to enable a space to grow and you're gonna have to take the risk as an investor, but there is reward with that should you invest wisely. Uh, next is sort of the aspect of it being a currency hedge. Right now, banks are too big to fail and every major sovereign country is printing money to keep their economies afloat. With no government or institution able to control cryptocurrencies, it's easy to look at crypto as a free market alternative to the government's monopoly on money. That's a little bit, um, <laughs> I don't know, anarchy sort of uh, statement, but I think it, it, it looks to the, the inherent aspects of what this space um, was built on uh, as to say, we are sort of proposing a system that exists outside of what the, the norms are right now. We, we want to build a better system. So yeah, I think that's, uh, and as I said earlier, this is built out of the, as a response to the 2008 financial crisis. So that just tells you everything of what cryptocurrency stands for. Uh, another thing is privacy and security. Um, essentially, privatization of your money is pretty much the ultimate form of security and privacy for investors today. You're able to act as your own bank. Uh, you can access your money whenever you want to. Crypto operates 24-7. There's no artificial limiters in, in terms of, you can only withdraw $10,000 a day or anything like that. No, it's your money and you can control it however you want to. So I think that's a, a big deal, especially as banks get continued be more and more regulated. Uh, people find that they want an alternative to that system that limits how much of your own money you're able to withdraw on a certain day. So yeah, I think that's a really compelling reason to get into crypto. Another thing is just freedom from banks. Today's banks are heavily regulated by the government and like I said, this creates situations such as limits on how much of your own money you, you can withdraw. Uh, the big thing is that email lets us send letters free anywhere in the world. Skype lets us make phone and video calls free anywhere in the world. And now there's cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency lets you send money to anyone online and fast and for a truly minuscule fee. While cryptocurrency, with cryptocurrency, you can send thousands, even millions of dollars worth of value to someone on the other side of the world in minutes for pennies and fees. And I think that's, that's just the in of itself what crypto represents. So, as we move forward, I, I think hearkening to the vision I talked about earlier, sort of the, the market trend we see uh, today and what is going to be pushing crypto forward is something like automation, which uh, it, as crypto sort of enables that machine-to-machine -machine economy that I talked about earlier, the idea that machines would be acting directly without human intervention and, you know, with the growing number of IoT applications and devices out there, 
there's no way for these machines to sort of pay each other without having to go through the intermediary of like a bank or something like that. So having crypto as that intermediary, I think it is one of the most compelling things about crypto right now because it enables sort of those microtransactions, fractions of a penny to be transacted between machines instantly. So that's a big thing that I don't think a lot of people are picking up on right now. Uh, and something that is going to be continuing to be a really big use case. So that's really exciting to see. Another thing is just globalization. As we become a more global economy, as we have more and more of a need for you know, sovereign countries and people to interact and transact with one another, blockchain is enabling that much more than what the current system uh, enables. And for example, my own business, whenever someone pays me through PayPal, they take a 5% cut of that if they're international, which is just crazy to me that I would take a 5% cut from my profits every month because I have to go through PayPal and there's no other alternative to that um, with the legacy system. Whereas with crypto, if they were to pay me with that, then it's I don't have to worry about sort of a middleman taking fees of the money that I earn. So that, to me, tells me everything I need to know about crypto versus the legacy systems in terms of why we need something better right now. Why do we need to be working towards something more efficient and more free for people? Because this system clearly isn't working for people. It's, it's taking hardworking people's money uh, in, in ways that I, I don't support. So, uh, yeah, I think globalization is one big piece of that and why we'll continue to see crypto proliferation in the years moving forward. Um, another thing is just the, the trend analysis in terms of watching Bitcoin's price sort of uh, on a logarithmic chart continue to grow and uh, continue to grow year after year as we see more and more people continue to use it, more and more people continue to find use cases for, for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. I think year over year, we're going to continue to see sort of the adoption rate and the acceptance of cryptocurrencies continue to grow. Even with years like this year, where we see the market continue uh, to kind of, I don't know, flounder a little bit, what most people, if, if you're paying attention to that, you're not truly paying attention. It's more about what guys like Pivx and Bitcoin Private and other teams are doing right now. They're working behind the scenes every day to make this stuff happen. They're working hard no matter what the market's doing. Um, so I, I think that's something that if you're paying attention to the price, you're not paying attention. So yeah, we, we are still moving forward as a space despite what the market's doing. So another thing we need to talk about is for the target audience of crypto itself and why it's compelling in so many different applications. Uh, you know, who's going to be using it? We, that's the, one of the most frequent criticisms I hear about like Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies is, if it's so great, why is no one using it? Why is Bitcoin adoption rate still so low? We're still developing it. <laughs> it's still being developed, but there's still many different applications and uh, potential target audiences that could be using it. So I, I think that, yes, it is germane to the conversation today, but not tomorrow. So banks, governments, peer-to-peer -peer economy, speculative investors, and like I said, machine-to-machine -machine economy, 
These are all different use cases and target audiences, and just a small sample size of what is possible with cryptocurrency and who's the potential target audience. So again, the use cases are enormous. There's many, many different ways you can use this underlying blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies to do things like insurance or real estate or supply chain or identity or messaging. Uh, it's really kind of mind-boggling once you start to see what we can make this into. And while I don't feel like cryptocurrency and blockchain itself has found its killer app just yet, I think we're sort of on the, the precipice of that. Uh, think back to the internet in the 90s and sort of the, uh, you know, it was the pets.com stuff that extended itself and, you know, how we, we started to find the true use cases of the internet back in that day. But we, we persisted even through the dot-com uh, bubble burst and then we found sort of that, yes, the internet was good at things like the internet and web pages, but it was really, really good at doing things like social media and mobile data and smartphones and Amazon and Google and Facebook and all these other things and Netflix, for example. You know, the use cases and real killer apps came later, but uh, what was important was that we got the technology right in the 90s. It was, it was the basis, the foundation that allowed that to happen. Uh, that allowed the internet to become so prevalent in today's society. I, I think you can't go anywhere or do anything these days without using it in some form. And so that's sort of what I envision uh, with cryptocurrencies and blockchain itself 10 years or 20 years down the road is that we'll see a society, we'll see sort of um, our economy and just the way that we interact evolve in such a way that you won't even be able to um, use or do anything without touching cryptocurrencies in some way, uh, whether you realize it or not. And that's the other thing is uh, a lot of times you're using the internet without even realizing it. So that's sort of the same sort of paradigms that I'm thinking are going to shift in the future. So yes, it, while today it might seem a little bit um, confusing or weird to think about, oh, I'll never use Bitcoin. That's, that's, uh, no, I'm not going to pay anyone with Bitcoin. Things will shift in such ways that you won't even realize it. And that's just kind of what we've seen over and over again. It's sort of the, the legacy that, that Bitcoin is, is promoting and sort of, it's just another iteration in terms of technological use cases and uh, sort of the adoption that we've seen. I love this graphic because it sure, sure shows um, how things have changed over time. And yeah, you know, unfortunately you can't see the, uh, the sort of different use cases that it's, it's highlighting here. But what you can see for sure is that over time, technological adoption, especially in sort of the, the digital information age, has accelerated. Things such as phones and computers and you know, handheld devices and things like that, you can see that the, the total uh, adoption rate of those is much faster than something like cars or you know, electricity or something like that. So we as a society have continued to evolve to the point where we're now very accepting of technological progress and innovation. So yes, right now, Bitcoin cryptocurrencies do not have a lot of adoption. Uh, it's still sort of trying to get off the ground in that aspect. But what I'm seeing is that as the technolo technology starts to expand and find better use cases and better 
um, you know, ways of using that technology, we're going to see it morph and uh, be adopted in different ways that we can't even anticipate yet. So you don't know what you don't know, but that's kind of what's exciting about being in this space so early is that you're able to see that. I, I know uh, there's something coming. I can't see it just yet, but there's a reason why we're all in this room here together. So we, can, we can feel that. We can feel that there's something tangible. There's something inherent to why this is so compelling, why this is so interesting of a space is that we know that there's something coming, even if we can't see it yet. So um, another thing is sort of regulation aspect and how, uh, what I hear over and over again is, you know, well, they're just going to ban Bitcoin. It's going to be you know, regulated to death. And I think that's a really short-sighted sort of uh, skeptical view because why would they do that? <laughs> why would they curb innovation, especially when it's a global sort of uh, innovation aspect? Why would the U.S., for example, uh, shoot themselves in the foot te technologically or in sort of an innovative sense and let China, for example, take the lead on this? No, they're going to find ways to work with it and use it in their own sort of context. As we saw earlier this year, Bitcoin and Ethereum were labeled not as securities, so they would be able to be traded as commodities, and that opens the door for much better uh, interactions and less speculation in terms of, you know, are they going to ban it or something like that. If they were going to ban it, they would have done so already, or they would have taken the steps to do so. So I think we're sort of in a regulatory limbo right now in terms of the whole space. Uh, ICOs in general are kind of still are they securities, are they utility tokens? That still needs to be addressed. Everybody in the space right now is sort of wondering when the Bitcoin ETF is coming and things like that. It's tough. That stuff is coming. Um, it's going to take time and it needs to take time. We don't want regulation to outpace innovation. We want them to take the time to do it right uh, the first time <laughs> because otherwise we'll find ourselves in a situation where uh, you know, <laughs> they have to go back and forth, and we want them to, to take the time to do it right. So that's another thing that I, I think the skeptics are seeing as short-sighted. And finally, the question I get a lot is, why does something like Bitcoin, uh, why do cryptocurrencies have value? What is sort of the inherent thing that makes them shoot up in price or come crashing down or anything like that? Um, and of course, everyone here has probably heard the uh, sort of uh, parallels to, you know, Bitcoin is the new meme babies or tulips or anything like that. And I, I think one of the things people who say things like that are missing is that Bitcoin made something that was natively digital into property that you know. I like to say that Bitcoin is the first piece of digital real estate in that. Um, it's for the first time something digital, which is normally you think of it as a CD or a song or something like that, it can be copied over and over and over and over. But for the first time, we can have uh, sort of copy protection and sort of these inherent protections put in place to make sure that you can never copy a Bitcoin. And that was sort of the, the, the breakthrough that Satoshi gave us. Uh, when we published his white paper on Bitcoin, was that for the first time, uh, you have 
copyright protection on something digital. You can't copy a Bitcoin. You can't, uh, you know, send a Bitcoin to someone and also send it to someone else at the same time and now have two Bitcoins. That was what he saw. And uh, what the big deal about blockchain is, is that it solved one of these really big, tough computer science problems that we've never really been able to solve. So that's what we're dealing with here. That's why these, you know, sort of digital assets have value is that for the first time you have something that is natively digital property that you can own. And once people figured out there's only ever going to be 21 million bitcoins, they wanted a piece of that property. So yes, it is sort of it is sort of speculative. I can understand why people feel uneasy when they see uh, Bitcoin shoot up in price or come crashing down. But that's kind of where we are right now. We are still figuring out this space. We're still figuring out what to do with this massive piece of technology, this massive breakthrough that we have uh, under our control, and what to do with it. So that's uh, sort of where we are right now. But I, I think if you're still in the boat of wanting to get started, if you're new to the space, uh, I would highly recommend just taking the time to really educate yourself, really understand what you're getting yourself into, uh, take the time to research the best uh, ways to get started in terms of where to put your money, uh, if that's what you want to do, or if you just want to be educated about crypto, just to understand what the space is about, there's nothing wrong with that too. Uh, I would recommend going through something like Coinbase that's FDIC insured, so that, um, you know, in the case that they were hacked, you would not lose your money. Um, and just, you know, go very slow with this. I wouldn't recommend jumping into something like ICOs or something like that until you've had six months to really get stuff under your belt. But yeah, this is uh, this is the kind of the side step. If you're just getting started, or even if you're uh, you know sort of a veteran to this space, there's always something new to learn. There's always something new to, to tackle. Uh, you know, the space is constantly evolving every day, so it's it's really exciting to be a part of. It. And I'm so blessed to be uh, you know in front of you talking about it. So thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I I'm. Charlie from Ready Set Crypto, I go by Matt online. Uh, and yeah, I would really appreciate, uh, we're, I'm going to be up there later. So if you have questions about anything related to blockchain, cryptocurrencies, or anything like that, definitely come talk to me uh, later. I think this is going to be a really fun conference, so I'm really excited to be here. So thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs>